Many Christians make the mistake of thinking that though they can't work for their salvation, they must work to keep that salvation on the backside. And this is wrong. It is a default to the sin of thinking that you can earn what God freely gives. Hello everyone, I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our reach around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our study today is taken from a final message on the Syrian commander Naaman from 2 Kings chapter 5. The good news is that God's salvation has come to this man. He's been healed and changed by God. Still, he must learn that this gift came to him freely and remains with him freely. It's not earned or kept by anything that he can do. The idea in most religions, in fact in all other religions, is that if there is some salvation to be gained, it's to be gained by the individual. It's to be gained by the individual's labor and effort and good works. In other words, you earn it. When the Lord Jesus died on the cross, he was suffering for the sins that we had committed. He was taking up upon his sinless self the punishment for our crimes and Having paid for it and completed that payment on the cross, the Lord Jesus said, to die," which means it is finished. It has been accomplished. All of the work required for your salvation was completed on the cross. The punishment for your sins were paid for in full by the sinless one, Jesus Christ. This makes the way for salvation to be a free gift of grace. There's Nothing that you can do to earn God's forgiveness or God's salvation, but by faith to cast yourself into the life of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for you to deliver you from your sins. It's free. It's completely free. You'd think an offer like that would be something that people just couldn't refuse. You'd think that as a result of that free gift of salvation... Sins completely forgiven, eternal life completely opened up for you freely that this would, well, there would be a a mass movement of people scrambling to lay hold of that promise of salvation so freely given, but no crowds are rushing in for this gift and no crowds are rushing in around the giver. And that's because at the core of our sinful natures is self. And what self wants to do is self wants to exalt self. In every way and everything, self wants to be exalted, and self also wants to be exalted if there is any acquiring, and self wants to be honored if there is any acquiring of salvation. If there's any salvation to be gained, self insists upon gaining it by its own strategies, earning it by its own effort. It desires that salvation and forgiveness and eternal life might be the prize of its own self-effort and its own self-attainment. That's our sinful nature. Naaman comes and he presents himself before Elijah. He travels from Syria to Elijah, the commander of the armies of Assyria, because he's a leper and he's filled with leprosy. He arrives at Elisha's door with this desire to be cured of his leprosy, followed or accompanied by his chariots. You can imagine a number of charioteers that are going along with him and traveling with him to provide protection and also to announce the honor and power of this man. And then also his different servants that have come along as well, camels bearing the various gifts that he's going to bring to Elisha in order to purchase and buy whatever blessing he might be able to receive. 
in order to be healed of his leprosy. And when he arrives at Elisha's door, Elisha doesn't treat him like this good and great and noble man that he is. Instead, Elisha remains in the house where he is and sends some messenger out to him, instructing him as a leper to go to the river Jordan and to bathe himself or dip himself seven times in the Jordan River and... Naaman is insulted and Naaman is enraged. He's expecting to be treated as somebody deserving of something better. Someone whose honor and his goodness and his greatness ought to bring to him. He's expecting Elisha to come out and to wave his hands around and pray some magical prayer and to bestow honor and distinction upon him and somehow as a result of that give him some great, bold, wonderful thing that he could do, some great tribute that he can bring in order to purchase or buy or gain the reward of healing for his leprosy. Then one of his servants reminds him that he had not come to Elijah as a good and great man, but he had come to Elijah because he was a leper in need of healing and cleansing. And we're told that Naaman went and bathed himself as he was told by the man of God. In other words, Naaman now is not just responding to the logic of his servant, but he's submitting to the word of God that's been given to him. And in that submission he goes and he does this one simple thing. He bathes himself in the Jordan River seven times. And we're told he comes out of the water and his, his skin is as clean and clear as a young child. So here are a couple things that we've noted already. First, salvation is not for good and honorable people. It's for leprous sinners. That's whom God plans to save and deliver. The second thing we noted is that there's no honor to be retained in being saved. You can't somehow clutch to your goodness or your greatness and hold on to that. You've got to let go of that altogether. And you've got to get down like a filthy, dirty leper in the dirty waters of the Jordan and recognize your need to be made clean. There's no great work to be done for your salvation. You have to only obediently and simply immerse yourself by faith into the saving life of the Lord Jesus. Eternal life is not for those who come for it as a reward of their goodness and their greatness. It can't be bought and it can't be earned It comes only to those who through faith come into identity with Jesus Christ in his saving work. I identify with Christ hanging and suffering and dying and misery on the cross and I say that is my sin and that is my suffering and that is what I deserve. And then I identify with Christ risen and resurrected in righteous power, sinless and triumphant over sin. And I say I receive for myself, I take for myself, I bring to myself not my own tribute, not my own righteousness, but I claim all of his righteousness alone. For my salvation, I say, Jesus, only you can save me. And I, by faith, set my life completely into yours. That's, in a sense, what happens with Naaman. And Naaman becomes a changed man. Let's read 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, I hope you have your Bibles open. 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's start by reading verses 15 through 16 of 2 Kings chapter 5. And he returned to the man of God, and he and all his aides... And came and stood before him, this is after he's been cleansed, and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, this is Elisha, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Elisha refuses. So Naaman said, Then, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods but to the Lord. Now let's just pause, keep our eyes on this passage, and let's just note a couple of things. Naaman, having come out of the waters of the Jordan and having made clean, could have immediately then returned to Syria. 
but instead he goes back to the man of God to give tribute to him. This is an act of humility that is not accustomed or represented in the life of Naaman prior to this moment. It's a demonstration of a change that's taken place in his life. Naaman, who before wanted Elisha to come out and meet him and greet him and give him some grand thing to do, now goes before Elisha, taking all of his aides, all of his accompaniment with him, and they all go before and stand before Elisha. Naaman makes a declaration before all those who are present before Elisha with him that he believes that the God of Israel is the only true God in all of the earth, the only God to be known and worshipped in all the earth. Salvation received leads inevitably to those who received it, this impulse and desire and this action of publicly confessing that salvation and the one who saved them. Naaman does the exact same thing and he does it before all those who are attending to him. All of those soldiers that came along, all those servants that attended. There before Elisha, he makes his confession. Naaman's gratitude prompts him to want to shower Elisha with gifts. We sing, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. We would give anything in response to what's been given to us. It would never measure up. Naaman has the same impulse, the same desire. But here's something interesting. Elisha will not receive it. He refuses the gift that Naaman is offering, and here is why. Elisha will not permit that Naaman should return to Syria declaring in any way that he bought or gave a reward for that which was freely given to him by the God of Israel. Elisha is not going to let anything be tagged on to what God has done in rescuing and cleansing this leprous man of that man's effort or that man's means or that man's gifting whatsoever. I think it's possible for us to believe that salvation is a gift that comes to us freely and that there's nothing that we can do to gain it, and then to receive that gift merely by faith, but then after that, slowly begin to think that we can pay for it on the backside, that somehow we can maintain this gift that God has freely given us, cleansing of us of our sins, and forgiving us, and giving us eternal life, and we can calculate our minds, now this was freely given to me, but to hold on to this, and to keep this, I'll have to work. I'll have to give to God my payment, my honor, my good works, my deeds, all of my resources. And so on the backside of it, we think we can earn it, you might say, and collect it and keep it to ourselves, but we're wrong. God's salvation remains a free gift before it is received from us and after it's received by us. You're not to be motivated to pay back for that gift that God gave, pay for it on the backside for the gift that God has given you. Elisha won't let a payment be made for it after the fact. Naaman will have to return with the story that nothing was given in exchange for his healing before he was healed or after he was healed. There is nothing you can give God before your salvation to earn it, and there's nothing that you can give after your salvation to keep it. It's given, and all you are to do is to keep taking it and keep receiving it and all of its benefits by grace as a free gift. Naaman's tone changes when he realizes this. You know, he's being informed along the way. Elisha is giving him some instruction as to what God has done for him and the basis upon which it's been done and that it was freely done for him. And realizing this, Naaman's tone changes. He understands that what God has given him was a free gift of deliverance. 
And his word now is not commanding, it's not demanding, it's not an exaltation in his effort or his position. He speaks with a humble petition. Look at verse 16 again. Please let your servant, what a change in his attitude, be given. Now he's not asking to buy. Well, let me buy a couple of mules. Let me buy some earth. Let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. He's not offering to buy anything, is he? He's asking for something more to be given to him. Ground from Israel, so that from that ground he may worship God in Syria, the Lord God of Israel alone in Syria. Having been given the gift of healing life from God, he asks only for ground to be given to him, so that he may continue to worship the God who so freely saved him. You gave me that, oh God, give me more. Now give me a place to worship you. Here's a good question for ourselves. How do we respond to God's saving of us from our sins? How do we react to the knowledge that we've been saved by the grace of God alone? Go to Psalms, Psalms 116.12. The psalmist asks a question. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? That's the question we're asking. How do I respond to God's saving of my life? What can I do for the salvation and the grace that God has given me and I have taken from his hand? That's the question that's being asked. And in the next verse, the psalmist answers his own question. He says, I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. This has been the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.